and the private coaching is only for the people who own a certain amount of your creator coin. Like imagine they buy $100,000 worth of creator coin and they get access to you as a coach for, you know, as long as they hold that much coin. Yeah. The options are, are limitless for those who want to play around with these new tools. everybody. Brian McCumber here with Tech Money Talks. I am really excited today because we have a very special guest on the podcast. We are fortunate to have Yarrow Stark as a special guest on the show. Yarrow's a legendary internet marketer from the days of way back. Yarrow was blogging, selling online, living the laptop lifestyle before the four-hour work week. Yarrow was teaching funnels before ClickFunnels. Now, if you're interested in starting an online business to make extra money, you better save this episode in your back pocket and listen to it over and over again, because the stories and the tips you're going to learn here will give you the opportunity to quickly launch your own business to help your wallet grow fat. Now, Yarrow's done so much more in his business career, and he is now the co-founder of InboxDone.com. It's an email management company that has a team of over 25 employees serving busy entrepreneurs and scaling business owners. So time is money and everyone's looking to get a piece of his time. And I'm so happy to have him on the show today. Yaro, thanks for joining us, brother. How's it going? Uh, thanks for having me, Brian. I, I appreciate the, uh, I like the before the four hour work week and the before the click funnels. I haven't had that <laughs> in the intro before. So <laughs> <laughs> I had to do something new. I had to do something new for sure, man. And- and you didn't ask me how to pronounce my name like a lot of hosts do beforehand. So I can tell you've you've heard me say things before. So I, I appreciate that, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, awesome, man. Hey, you deserve it. I mean, to me, you, you've been a legend. You've been one of the and I heard other people use the terms OG. You know, you've been yeah. one of the, the Internet marketers from the days of way back. And uh, I, I, I've been around as well, not as around publicly, but uh, but I mean, you could see the gray hairs on, on the beard yep. and everything. And, yeah. <laughs> so at, at, at the same time, you know, I was launching things and I remember picking up on one of the one of the things which is which is just really great. But you know what? I'm so excited about diving into the specifics. But I would say maybe for the audience that may not know you as well as I do, um, I would say, you know, maybe give a, a introduction about yourself and then we'll take the conversation from there. Yeah, for sure. So. I mean, before I became an internet marketer, as I say in inverted commas, um, I was running a couple of businesses. So I, I grew up in Australia. I went to university there. Uh, when I turned 18, it was 1998. The internet was going through that first dot-com bubble. So uh, an amazing time to be 18 and, and a great time to enter university because that was the first time I got a, a free internet account you know, to actually access the internet as well. So I got really kind of fell in love with the internet. Um, I started a card game website about a game I played at, at university in high school called Magic the Gathering, which is sort of my first testing ground to learn how to grow an audience and you know sell some cards online. Uh, then while I was in university and after graduating, I had an online essay editing company, uh, which was more of a serious business. I had a, uh, some freelancers and I would uh, basically provide thesis and editing services. And it became a full-time income after graduating. So I called my first real business. And it was because of those two businesses that I was able to start blogging and podcasting and essentially teaching and writing and um, you know, discovering that I was potentially a coach, an internet marketer. I learned about email marketing. I learned about you know having a list and creating products. And, and that's probably when 
a lot of people like yourself, I started to connect with because it was a kind of a golden era. You know, you had all these product launches going on. There was, I don't know, Mike Fulsame, Jeff Walker, Rich Sheffer, and Evan Pagan, um, the Stompernet guys. There was so many launches happening. And I was, you know, doing launching around the topic of how to make money blogging at the time. We're talking like 2007, 6, 8. Um, and I think that really was an amazing time for internet marketers because you could reach the entire planet of people interested in this subject <laughs> and you'd become yeah. sort of micro famous before this idea of being an influencer. Like there was not like YouTube was literally just getting started at that time. Like it probably wasn't even, you know, mainstream at all at that time. So, I mean, fast forward, I, I spent the next 10, 12 years in that space, blogging, selling information, products, my online courses, eBooks, my membership site. Um, and then in the last five years, I've been focused on Inbox Done, my current company with, with email management services. So it's a 20-year career in summary there. Oh, man, that's awesome for sure. And, you know, you've done so much and interacted with so many from from back then. And it actually actually has me excited about, you know, your perspective on, on how things have shifted mm. uh, in there. So hopefully we get into all these conversations here. But one of the first things, actually, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to share I'm going to share my screen. And let's see if uh, this works. All right. <laughs> yeah. So this right here, this this diagram about the sales funnel. Uh, tell tell the story behind this now. And for the audience that you know, for the audience that are catching us live, you're able to see this visual. It's a picture of of Yaro's uh, blogging uh, sales funnel, which I think was great. That this was one of the things that that I remember catching even before uh, click funnels and before the whole real you know mainstream adoption of of funnels as as mm. a as, as a way to sell. And then, um, but I was, I was curious, you know, maybe if you could tell the backstory, you know, behind this, as you know, as you were going through, you know, one, doing it for your own business, but then two, you know, sharing that with the world. Yeah. I love that you brought this up, uh, Brian. No one, no one has showed this graphic before on a, a podcast. So this is fun. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously Russell Brunson deserves massive credit with ClickFunnels to sort of turn that into a mainstream concept to begin with. But yeah, I can't remember the exact years. It's probably around 2006, seven, eight. Um, I was selling already my own membership site and course. And my funnel, as we call it, was pretty much an email newsletter. Um, I was big on automation though. So I loved uh, drip release content, basically email newsletters where you can set it up and then people would go through it. You didn't have to create fresh content every day. So my first funnel, so to speak, was really just a 12-month weekly email newsletter, but it wasn't live. I wrote 12 months worth of content and then people would start at the beginning and go through that funnel. And that sold my first course. And it was amazing. Like it was you know, money on autopilot um, to a degree because my blog would find new readers, new subscribers, and they'd all go through the sequence and a, a few percentage of them would buy my course. So, you know, four or $500 a week would come in from, from sales of that. And that was amazing because it was so hands off. However, around that time, I was also studying, I guess, the next level of, of this concept where, you know, if you want to go from I was making healthy six figures, but if you wanted to reach million dollar kind of outcomes, I was studying. I can't remember the, the people doing this. I mean, really, the people who deserve the, the credit is the old school direct response marketers, you know, the Jay Abrahams and the Dan Kennedys and yeah. prior to the Internet. Um, I can't remember who I studied outside of them at the time, but they were talking about these ideas like upsells and downsells and having like an, uh, an ascension where people would buy uh, an entry level product and then graduate to a higher cost product. And you'd sort of um, you'd find your your most responsive customers. And really, a, 
a successful business was not built on the low cost products. It was finding the maybe 100 people who will spend $10,000 a year on your highest uh, cost products. So I decided, and, and to put this into context, that newsletter I had, I ran that business from 2007 to 2011, selling that course. Amazing, you know, bought my first awesome. house, bought, bought my car, all the beginning, you know, I was in my 20s, so it was fantastic. Um, but eventually I, I decided to close that course down. It was getting old. I, I talked about old things in that course, like dig and stumble upon and, um, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, what was the other one? Uh, Slashdot. And those things were yeah. being superseded by YouTube and Twitter and Facebook at the time. So, I realized I had to close my course down. And then I kind of had a pause. I probably stopped for about two years. Um, I did a startup. My mom was in hospital. So it was a real transition period. And then I decided uh, about 2013 to kind of restart that business, create a new version of this course. But also, and, and while you're showing this picture, I was going to take the idea of a proper funnel seriously. And what I meant by that is it's not just going to be one 12-month email sequence. It's going to be... Uh, you know, products that are entry level, there will be upsells, there'll be bundles, there'll be second chances, like really build out all the additional sequences that can go into a proper built out funnel. Um, and what you're kind of showing there is the, the graphic I put together that was not just explaining what I was doing, but what was possible, because I had some of these things, I didn't do everything there, I didn't have live events, for example. But most of those things, that was the model I used. So at the very top, as you can see in the picture, it's a blog. Um, that was like my uh, method for building an audience. That's a, that's like a net. There's so many different ways to bring traffic to a blog. Um, it's funny to look at even that picture. You can probably see some some uh, companies that may not be with us anymore. I'm not sure. I was pretty careful with choosing oh, the yeah. pictures in that. Um, you know, there's Xbox Live. There's WhatsApp. I think I did pretty good. They're all still with us mostly there. Um, current, yeah. Yeah, Meetup is still going. Not the most popular. But anyway, there's a whole bunch of mass market social media slash video gaming slash community building apps there that are all the ways of growing an audience. And you basically use content on those platforms, bring them back to your blog, they join your email list, and then you're just nurturing and bringing people through a sequence to sell usually a front-end product. Um, I love a front-end subscription. That was my favorite at the time. I had like a uh, initially a podcast. You'd love this. It was a, pro a, a podcast of the week kind of, or I think it was podcast of the month. Um, at the time, like a membership. So you'd get a new episode released, but you were paying money for a podcast, which already was a little <laughs> bit different, you know? Um, and then eventually I had a proper membership site, which I still have today. Uh, and I love this model because it really was a serious teaching business. You know, that was the ultimate goal here. Um, well, really the ultimate goal was not just the structure, but to have it automated. Uh, as you can see in the picture, there's these email, email images driving downwards at the side of the funnel. And yeah. to me, that was what mattered. It was, can you write email sequences once and not 12 months worth, but two weeks worth of emails that would sell a product. And then, you know, you were maybe enjoying a part of this process. I like to write blog posts. So I love that I could write a blog post in a cafe and then that would reach new users. Then they would enter that funnel. But that funnel ran just through automation, through email autoresponders, through blog posts and through automatic delivery of digital products. So I, I, at the time I used Entreport, that was my software for, um, or my software of choice for delivering my, my courses and my eBooks and everything. Um, and then I went out there and attempted to teach it. And you know, it, it's, it's not a small job to build a funnel like that. It is, uh, that was years of my life to build my own one.
Well, I mean, you, you laid out what what's possible. I mean, all the way through to 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 the back end, and and I think this is what most people don't capture. Like, there's that artwork where it has like that iceberg and the you know success, and people only see the tip of the iceberg, but they don't see you know everything that goes underneath. And and I would say, you know, looking at this funnel, probably outside looking in, people are seeing you know the content and maybe the front end product or maybe even the membership. But then they don't see what goes further behind when, when we talk about like high ticket sales and the coaching, the stuff that's really what you call the black, the, the back end and the profit, you know, that, that's really coming in. I think most people don't don't see that. And uh, and then the way of nurturing that. So maybe if like, you know, talk through that. So if, if somebody is looking to scale, what what should they be thinking as far as building out that in their business? Yeah, it's an interesting decision. Like I. I was at one point going to go down the live event path and and I was living in Australia and there was a real opportunity to do that. It was the obvious next step as well. Like I had a flagship course, it was selling great, but I didn't have a a $10,000 sort of year long high end program or even 15,000 or $20,000, you know, the next level. And I had some friends who were big at selling on stage. They run like three day weekend workshops and then they'd sell a $15,000 year long coaching program. And I, I literally had said, yes, I'm going to set that up and, and add it to the sort of top of my funnel. And then we started talking about what I'd have to do to get that going. And it was a lot of traveling around Australia, speaking at smaller events, um, you know, just to build up initial audience because you have to get people in the room. It's a little different. I was doing everything digitally at the time and they were doing everything physically in the real world. So I actually made an interesting choice and said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to stick to uh, basically focusing a lot on my flagship course and my membership site because I love the digital aspect and the low touch aspect. I did one coaching call a month. Most of it was consumed digitally. I didn't have to worry about running any kind of workshops or doing private coaching where there's a lot of one-on-one time or getting together into small groups, you know, in like a 10 person workshop. Um, Personal choice though, I could, I certainly left money on the table, no doubt by not uh, going down that path. Um, But I really wanted the freedom to travel, the lack of responsibility around needing to keep speaking at events, Um, even the simplest things like organizing a place to hold a workshop. And, you know, I'm super introverted. So I know the idea of spending one day talking to people live in a workshop was going to just drain me. So I was really happy in that (laughs) sweet spot. Um, But a lot of people go further. I I know. and, And to be fair to the funnel concept, a lot of people build this because they're just trying to fill their highest end, you know, $20,000, even up to $100,000 uh, mentoring programs and coaching programs. And rightly so, because, hey, you get uh, 50 people spending 20 grand, that's a whole lot more than, you know, uh, 200 people spending 1000 So uh, that's why they build the funnel that way. But I was really big on the laptop lifestyle, the four hour work week. So much like Tim, you know, Tim doesn't do coaching. Tim doesn't run events. He he wants to travel the world. Um, I was the same. I, I, uh, I like you said. I, I kind of loved meeting Tim after he exploded. But before that, I was still just like, hey, I'd love to travel. I love a digital business. So, um, but yeah, it's 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 very optional. You can build it how you like. Oh, that's awesome, man. And uh, I mean, it's amazing thing. Like I like to view all those pieces as like you know digital assets that are compounding. So it's like, you know, every action, you know, everything that you're writing, producing, you know, it it seems to have that compounding effect. And eventually, you know, you get some traction and, you know, there's that, uh, 
you know, that tipping point where now all of a sudden things are flowing through. Uh, so uh, it, it's just an amazing thing. The, the really great thing about like what you laid out there is that it's still relevant today. You know, how much has changed outside of that model? Well, nothing really. I mean, what changes is the the platforms you might use to first find people. Yeah. And, and that's why when I built the second version of my course, I didn't talk about go do this thing in a, a Facebook group because that probably will change. But conceptually, yeah. the funnel concept is, I mean, email marketing hasn't changed. We still write emails and send people content to our list. That's the main thing that most people when they launch products yes they'll post on social yes they'll do paid ads but it's all very much the same tools that we use i'm curious about your perspective because uh you know i've talked about this in the past but i'm curious about yours which is like i call it that evolution right you know we're now approaching web 3.0 mm-hmm. and uh, i think in in our journey we started from 1.0 we saw 2.0 and the whole socially connected now 3.0. So I was wondering if you could, you know, talk through that, you know, how, how is business and, and e-commerce and has evolved, you know, throughout there. And what do you see as opportunities going forward in 3.0? Yeah, it's interesting. I'm, I'm sure you can, uh, you know, feel the same about this, uh, Brian. You discover this world of online business and uh, it, it, you first of all you learn your basics you know you do you kind of learn what is an email newsletter or if you're in e-commerce how do i build something on shopify or another platform um source a product or maybe create a product if you're a digital educator and then once you stay in your space yeah like we just said before you're kind of using these proven models it's it's um there's new tools that surface but they're all kind of trying to help you do the same thing whether it's live chat or help desk software um or some kind of you know tiktok as a, a social platform the thing i love though as a person who's been here for a long time is seeing how there's always an opportunity to ride whatever is the present wave. And you just mentioned the current one that's really just starting to land now, which is that Web3 wave that we're seeing uh, come in. But you can take, you know, go back a year or two. It's TikTok. You go back a year or two before that, it's Instagram. Before that, it's it's, uh, YouTube. Before that, um, it, it was probably Facebook. And before that, it was uh, podcasting and and blogging, and that's kind of when I stepped into social media. Uh, and and before that, like you said, it was 1.0, so it was just a case of having a website and maybe an email list, you know. So each of these periods of time, there was something that was new that was getting attention. It was a way to access an audience, which means there's a way to potentially make money with it as well. You have to figure it out. Like people join TikTok, they go like, "Yeah, but how do I make money from this? Like, where's the the mechanism for earning a return?" And then they figure it out. They, oh, yeah, hey, maybe yeah. use this this external platform to sell a subscription or maybe we start getting sponsors or whatever it is. But because the attention is there, the audience is there, uh, that's where yeah, the option is. So I'm never discouraged for the new people who are coming in because there's always something they can decide to uh, become good at, attach themselves to a rising platform, a rising trend. Sometimes it's just a rising tool. You know, it can be it's TikTok or it's Instagram. Um, it's a bit risky because you don't want to kind of put all your eggs in an external platform and then they change the rules and, you know, you've lost all that audience. That's why I always say bring people to your email newsletter because then you own that that way to reach people. But yeah. the the tool is is always there. There's always something that's sort of cresting on the wave. Really important topic. So hopefully the audience is catching that for sure, because that's something that's going to keep growing. And and like, you know, looking at this this journey and the, and the changes, like one of the things that I think, especially like, uh, you know, the, the younger audience that's now 
you know, taking advantage of these opportunities. And the audience that's listening here, that you know, they they um, you know they've been adopting. Primarily, I talked about drop shipping as a focus area over the past like almost two years now, and and rightfully so. I mean, it's really grown, produced a bunch of. I think I've interviewed over a hundred like self-made you know millionaires that have really grown into this e-commerce business because of the fact that you know this evolution where now they have everything literally at their fingertips. Like if you think back to how things were back when you first started, you know there was no Shopify, there was no you know strong advertising platform maybe outside of uh google pay-per-click or something mm-hmm. um but i mean you know even, even speak to that like uh what do you see as far as like the access to the opportunities of what people can do yeah i mean it's it's good and bad you know like uh, <laughs> it, it's funny because every year that feeling of it's super crowded um and, every, mm. and there's too many tools and i don't know where to start has increased you know i remember when I started blogging, that was new. So that was kind of cool. It was uh, making things easier. Just the simple act of publishing content became easier. And then shortly after that, the first set of tools, um, I remember one I used early days was called One Shopping Cart. It's like a Kajabi or a ClickFunnels, but one of the very first ones. Mm-hmm. And it was like opening my eyes. Oh, wow, it's so easy to create a product here and an affiliate program. And I can sell physical products like e-commerce or digital products like ebooks. And then suddenly it wasn't just one shopping cart. There were all these other tools that were doing and offering the same kind of functionality. And today, obviously, Kartra, Kajabi, um, Entreport, all these different, you know, Thinkific, Teachable. <laughs> there's so many different ways to sell things. And that's not even diving into e-commerce, you know. So plus drop shipping, obviously at your end, there's a whole set of tools that I don't even know about because I'm not in the drop shipping world, but you know, I know that is a very well catered to space as well. So it's just confusing and it's a kind of a, like I said, a good and a bad thing because it's great because with so many ways you can do something and so much easier than it was. Yeah. But the, the sense of decision fatigue, I don't know which tool to use. I spend all my time just figuring out which software I should use <laughs> and not growing my business, right? Yeah. Which is not yeah. good. So. You have to make sure at some point you you really make that choice and say, all right, I'm using this tool. I'm selling this product or service. I'm going after this niche market. This is my positioning. This is my theory. Let's test it out and make sure it works and put something in front of people with a buy button and try and make some sales. So I did it actually just recently with my most recent company, Inbox Done, you know, similar story. We're getting started, you know, five years ago is when we really took it seriously. And it's essentially it's a virtual assistant company, which is well and truly a saturated space. You know, there's literally mm-hmm. hundreds of thousands of freelancers offering VA services on Upwork or Fiverr. And then there's hundreds of agencies also doing the same things. But I'm thinking, you know, we've got a unique angle. We provide specialized email management services, but then we still have to decide how do we reach an audience? You know, how do we build a, a system around this? What software do we choose? We, we recently just got into using Hub, HubSpot to sort of do the internal tracking of our, our clients and, you know, our business, it's a CRM basically. And, and just that decision alone, you know, is a, a decision that you have to make versus all these other software platforms. So um, it's, we're, we're spoiled, but it creates confusion <laughs> and anxiety, I think. And that's, that's something you have to figure out how to deal with as well. And I like that you mentioned that decision fatigue because yeah, I mean, there's, 
you know, everything that, that that's coming up. And and I'm glad that you brought up your, your current company. So I'm going to pull that up for those that are catching us live and on YouTube. You can see Inbox done. And we're, and we're going to talk a little bit about this. Now that there's so much opportunities at your fingertips, it's hard to decide on on what not only what to choose, but also the follow through. Um, I was wondering if you could, you know, maybe speak to that. Like, what does it take to actually follow through on an idea and not get distracted like a shiny object syndrome where you're just kind of like, you know, leaving for the next thing because you ran into the first hurdle on what you were working on? I've been asked about shiny objects, I think, since (laughs) day one. You know, it's uh, there's been shiny objects, as we use that phrase, Um, whether it was like we said before, pay-per-click advertising was a business strategy at one point. You could do arbitrage. And then before that, it was you could sell on eBay or Craigslist, you know. And then fast forward, it was then dropshipping was huge. And, and then, you know, nowadays you should become an influencer and, and grow a huge following on YouTube or whatever. So they're all shiny objects at the end of the day, right? And, and yeah, I, the most important thing to remember is it's hardest, especially when you have nothing that has traction. This to me is like one of the hardest parts about being a new entrepreneur online is you don't have any signposts that say, this is working, keep following through. You have some kind of sign of traction. And that's one of the best uh, medicines to shiny object syndrome because traction gives you a path to follow, a direction to stick to. So even with InboxDone.com, the, the new company I launched, when we tested that idea, it was, I go to my my then um, contractor, Claire, now co-founder, and I said, listen, this is the idea. We want to provide email management services. Uh, I want to partner with you, and I think you should be the very first deliverer of the service because you do it for me. Let's test this theory. Can we get one, two, three new customers? See if the business model works. Are they happy? Can we use our system that we use on my email, on their email? So all these assumptions we want to test. Um, and we do that and we get two customers and you know we validate this idea but the the fact that two people in fact five people booked in for calls and and three eventually became paying customers and two long term customers that's traction you know the fact that someone books a call and says you know what i am interested in this service let's talk more about it that to me is like a signpost all right let's follow this idea and see where it goes now eventually you might hit no more signs of traction or maybe the traction is not big enough or maybe something's broken in the business model and you have to kind of you know take a step back maybe pivot maybe completely close down that that business but as long as you're getting these signs of progress and to me that is are you making sales or even before that are people showing interest in buying and what you're offering um, are you learning more every day from those interactions to make whatever you sell better uh, and and not even just that it can be really small things at the very start like You've set up your website. You've bought your domain name. You know, you maybe you did your first test purchase as a dropshipper yourself. You buy from yourself and you get the product delivered and you go, okay, this is the experience of, of buying something. So all that is is a sense of moving forward. And then ultimately, of course, though, I mean, traction is sales. That's the ultimate proof of concept. You've got to make some sales, get some customers. So that's kind of how I, I judge ideas. When we're talking about these kind of businesses that internet marketers, uh, freelancers, small business owners focus on. It's a little different in the startup world where there's venture capital. They're not necessarily looking for sales from day one. You know, sometimes it's just about users and, and audience growth or membership growth without revenue or income. 
that they're running off money from investors. So it's a little different, but I think for most people listening to this, we all want to have our own sort of either side hustle or fairly good in a small business, maybe, you know, one or $2 million a year. That would be an amazing result. So in that yeah. case, it's all about sales. That's really it. Just show that's, that's traction, that's, that's progress. Um, and remember, and this is especially for the newbies, this, the shiny object issue is because you haven't fully committed to testing one path. And it's very, I, I was there, I remember this myself with um, probably the first two businesses I talked about. The first one never made a full-time income, so I eventually moved away from it, I actually sold it. The second one was making a full-time income, but barely, I wasn't exactly rich. I was like, you know, just paying their rent and food. So I was, I was like hearing about a friend who was making great money doing uh, Google arbitrage or another friend who was doing great things with e-commerce. This is before there was Amazon or Shopify. So there, there was always those shiny objects for me as well. And I did, I made the mistake of, I'm going to start Google arbitrage. And I started learning about AdWords, but I would come back to my essay editing company, my main business, because at the end of the day, there were customers, there were repeat customers. I built a little bit of a system there. I had contractors, I had you know uh, systems in place for running that company. Um, and even fast forward with the blogging business, I'd written email sequences. You know, you set up shopping carts, you do this work, and it, like you said earlier, it compounds. And in, in order to have the benefits of compounding, you do have to keep following that one path and you know building on what you've done in the past and this is so easy to say in hindsight like i having done this <laughs> process you know seven or eight times now it's easy for me to go the thing that i stuck to that was the right business model in the right niche did eventually get the outcome that i wanted or at least certainly succeeded to a, a significant degree uh, and it's because i stuck to it for long enough and we kept building on it even now with, with inbox Sun, i have many many times gone claire my co-founder we should maybe expand to do these services because i've seen these other companies do really well with it uh. but then we kind of pull <laughs> ourselves back and go no 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 we're good at this thing with email let's stick to that and really you know hammer double double hammer down on that positioning and it keeps working because people choose us for that one thing that we do really well um but you know it's still that's a shiny object for me we should add this additional thing and this additional thing so it never stops but it is easier with hindsight one of the things that I want to reiterate for the audience, that hopefully you catch this. So when Yara was talking about starting this new company, Inbox Done, he started with getting a few sales, if, the, if you guys caught that. So like he started by proving it out by getting some actual sales and then also using the words testing. So sales and testing to validate you know, the, the idea and the business, and then to start, you know, keep building, building forward from there. So I think great, great lessons for sure. And hopefully the audience is, is catching that. So with, with inbox done, so I'm there, there's a good amount of, of like e-commerce entrepreneurs that are scaling. They do uh, take, uh, you know, VAs to help with customer support, uh, product fulfillment, uh, creating uh, graphics uh, and, ads and things like that. Um, so, so one of the questions that I know would most likely come up is, you know, how does this, how is this different than, than them just having their own VA answering their, their email? Yeah. So, you know, we're not a low cost $10 an hour outsourcing to the Philippine sort of VA service and <laughs> nothing yeah. against that. Like there, I know so many entrepreneurs who get great VAs from India, the Philippines, um, Ukraine, where I actually outsource tech work now. Um, 
for certain things, that's perfect. Like I think general research, administrative support. When we built this company, we knew though, going into an inbox of another person, very private, very personal, you need to have really high level English communication skills, attention yeah. to detail, emotional empathy. You know, it's it's like you're you're going into the personal life of the of the person's email that you're managing. So you have to get to know them and get sort of the, a relationship that works for both of you. So we deliberately made the choice to hire uh, always native English speakers, mostly Americans. We have a few Aussies and Western Europeans for different time zones. But it's very important that we have that level of communication skill. And we're embedding people into other people's businesses. So it's, it's very serious. We are email specialists. You know, we do calendar management. We do other executive assistant services as well. But I wouldn't put us in a place of, say, um, you know, basic customer support ticketing, which a lot of e-commerce businesses need. We do do that. We have some small businesses that we manage the email for the founder and we manage the help desk for the customer service of the business. So we're mm -hmm. kind of freeing up the founder from all those emails every day, we're replying messages for them. And it makes sense to also manage the customer support at that time. However, I think a lot of e-commerce companies will you know, realize, especially if they get large and they want 24 hour support, it makes sense to just go to the Philippines or, or India and pay five to $10 an hour for not just full-time people, 24 seven, you know, help desk support. And that's just not what we're built for. We're, we're specialists at email. We build a system around managing email. We're especially specialists at freeing up a person, you know, like you, Brian, who's like the head of the company, the face you're the one who's probably getting requests every day in your inbox, decisions to be made, tasks that originate there. And we want to try and get you out of using that inbox as a to-do list, to list and really simplify your life so you have just your, your core moving your business forward tasks and you're not looking at email and going, oh, I have to update this software. I have to answer this basic question. You know, that's not your job. It should be de delegated to someone who's a specialist at that. And even more than that, like... Uh, Think of it like an email receptionist too, where you need like a, a front line of defense to uh, vet someone. Is this someone worth my going on my podcast or should I consider a partnership with them? Uh, really, are they serious or are they not? And your email receptionist can make that decision because they have the intelligence, they have the awareness of your company to kind of be that front line of defense to defend your time. And that's that's what we really specialize in. No, critical for sure. And actually, I'm going to definitely look into the service. It goes back to, you know, the busy entrepreneur that's now looking for ways to buy back your time. And uh, in this case, you know, just like what you said, you know, there's some, you know, cultural norms, especially if you're U.S. based to know how to, you know, how to reply uh, to, uh, you know, individuals or inbound or what's important and what's not. And it may not be captured or, or written, you know, properly if it came from somebody, you know, like you said, from the Philippines or yeah. or India, and that and that happens. But oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I've, <laughs> I've I've hired a lot of overseas contractors, and I, I just know there's, there's a lot of turnover. Um, there's people sort of disappearing for a couple of weeks and then coming back, and these are issues we can't have with email because once you outsource email to someone else, if you have to step back in and take it over, it's kind of like flying first class. You know, you, going back to, to doing your email again is very, very difficult. I'm speaking from experience. I delegated email like 15 years ago with that essay editing company with my blogging and, and information marketing business. I had three people at one stage doing my inbox to really provide, you know, 24 seven around the clock 
uh, customer service and keep me away from all that day-to-day operation stuff to take all those people away and step in and answer those emails myself um a I, I wouldn't know how i like i forget how to use certain software tools to you know update customer records and things like that and b it would be a very frustrating two to three hours a day of work that i'm so used to not needing to have to do myself and, and that's hard to go back to oh man well i mean that's a great venture for sure and when did when did you start so 2017 i mean we did some behind the scenes stuff before that but we you know loaded the website up and and called ourselves a business from about 2017 onwards and so if people want to learn more about that and actually maybe even describe that what what's what's that target audience that that you're looking for to, to be able to help with the service and for people that are in that growth phase of their own business you know, what should they be thinking about and, and when to approach? Yeah. So, you know, it's the sort of thing where, first of all, you need to be busy enough where spending $2,000 a month on a couple of assistants to do your email makes sense. I do say couple because we assign two assistants to every client. Um, we do that because of what I just talked about. We want to have that backup. So if someone is unwell or needs a holiday, you've got two people. So we don't have to go back and say, listen, you're back in charge of all these tasks there's two there, the one person will fill that gap. Um, so if you can you know, justify sort of 2000 a month, but more importantly, if you're the kind of person who is maybe spending two to four hours a day in your inbox, you know, you're waking up and you're doing email, you're doing it throughout the day, you're going home, you're putting the kids to sleep, and then you're going on your phone or your computer and doing more email before you go to bed. If there was a person or people who are replying to all those emails um, and leaving you with maybe the 5% of messages that only you can deal with. And that's going to give you back three hours a day. And those three hours could be used for, you know, vision, growing your company, creative work, could even be simple things like exercise, um, eating right, seeing your family. If that's a value to you, then that's the right type of person. Obviously, it's not for beginner new companies. You just won't be able to justify spending that kind of money on it. And it's not for companies where you've got a full-time EA in-house, you know, already very, very large companies. So sort of the sweet spot is sort of multiple seven figures with a very busy owner who needs an executive assistant to take over, especially email and calendar management. And there's a lot of people that quickly are accelerating in, into that. So hopefully you guys are thinking about that because, you know, th- th- that's one of the things is, you know, to be able to scale, if you feel, feel yourself being bogged down you know, by messages, trying to keep up with, with service while still trying to think about growth. Uh, it, it goes back to teaming and, and you need to start, you know, putting that, putting that system together and, and building an appropriate team. And in this case, when it comes to email, uh, it seems like this is the solution <laughs> to work. So that's, man, that's really great stuff, man. I like it. So one of the things that I was curious about, you know, even like with the future, I think I even saw like I'm one of, uh, your page is talking about, you know, even the future of like, you know, NFTs and, and things like that. What what Web3. are you dabbling with in, in that space? Oh, a lot. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of Web3. Uh, obviously, crypto is probably what we're most familiar with. And uh, I've, I've owned crypto since sort of 2016, but I'm not as excited about that as I am as a creator at things like um, uh, DSO. You might have heard of decentralized social media. Um, there's all kinds of apps being built on the actual DSO blockchain. So that's worth checking out. It's DSO, decentralized social media. Uh, one of the main apps is called Diamond App. You can go to diamondapp.com and you'll see an interface that looks a lot like Twitter. You're like, it won't be um, that confronting, but 
there's just a couple of things worth playing with on Diamond App, which is powered by DSO. Uh, creator coins and diamonds are two things. So diamonds are like likes, except you actually get money. So, you know, imagine, I love this as a person who grew up blogging and still loves to create content. Imagine you spend a good half an hour writing a fairly in-depth uh, piece of content that you share on Twitter or on Facebook or whatever, and people like it, but you don't get anything back from it. You're just fueling those platforms on something like Diamond App with DSO. Other members can then give you, hey, you're looking at it right on there on the screen there. So I, I've, I've received this. I've actually made a few posts on Diamond App and I've made 5 to $10 just from those posts. And I'm like, oh, wow. So you, know, you could potentially turn that if you're a, a highly valuable contributing member to a community. The community will reward you directly just with likes, which are called diamonds, which actually give you money. So play with that. Um, creator coins is a little bit more complicated. It's like a, a cryptocurrency just for you as an influencer, as a creator, and people can buy your coin. It's kind of like a way of investing in you and, and it's real money. So that's a kind of example starting point. Um, Diso also has NFTs. So it's, and it's like incredibly easy. Um, personally, I'm not uh, big on NFTs for just the purposes of sharing artwork, but I'm big on NFTs for the purposes of unlocking uh, membership benefits. So, you know, any kind yeah. of you know, added value you get with that. Um, and with, with DSO, NFTs are simply you upload an image, you turn it into an NFT, and then you decide, you know, what to unlock and give people when they buy that NFT. So really um, great starting point to kind of learn about what's coming next. Obviously, that's just one tool amongst all the different things that are being built from decentralized gaming to decentralized finance. Uh, those worlds are, are very exciting too. But as a content creator, for me, uh, decentralized social media is the more exciting part because I'm used to creating content and this just unlocks ways to make money from it that weren't available before. Plus, I love the idea that we're not just giving away our content for free on these platforms that are billion dollar companies that a very small group of people own and really profit from. Instead, we can directly as creators and owners of our own currencies um, can directly benefit. So I'm definitely stepping into that world. I'm actually working on some software behind the scenes that um, is looking to be powered by DSO. So probably later this year, I'll have something to show in this space. Um, but yeah, it's exciting. And, and I don't know where it's going, but I can see how decentralization is unlocking some pretty cool new tools. So I'm excited to see where it goes. And it's the wave right now. We were talking about the wave before. Um, yeah. You want to ride something, just jump on DSO really just explore it, get familiar with it, see what how it works and what you can do there. And that can unlock all kinds of ideas, especially because it's super early. Like by by starting now, you're like jumping on Twitter when it first got started or, you know, pick any platform you like, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram. It's nice to be there in that first year that it gets released. That's great. And I'm glad that you touched on that. One, for the audience listening, you know, like the this is definitely gold or this is diamonds for sure. <laughs> Diamond value. And then two is that perspective that that Yarrow has, which is like, this is the thing that you need to appreciate, which is like, you know, understanding the shift of 1.0 to 2.0 and what type of game changer it is for the industry in so many ways, you know. And when you're, uh, you know, either a content producer or you're selling, you know, something that type of uh, leveling up, you know, with this major shift in industry and commerce are major opportunities. And, and what Yarrow's describing is like, this is the beginning. So when you think back of the beginning of like when, you know, Facebook's just taken off and Twitter and, 
you know, you could be a part of that. What would you do? You need to start thinking about that now because this would, would you agree? Is this like another major shift? Yeah, I mean, you don't know which platforms are going to win. Like we all know MySpace came before Facebook and we know what happened to MySpace, right? So uh, that being said, there was a lot of uh, winners on MySpace and Tumblr and all these platforms before something else came and superseded them. What matters is you're there to build your own audience. And then you have to do something to take control of the audience. I think that's the most important step. I can say, go to Diamond App, build a following, start making money directly from it. But also just keep your eye on, okay, how can I actually build a real business around this? So I have a platform of my own. That might be simply, I'm gonna create a membership site. So I'm gonna bring some of my followers on not just Diamond, but on all of social into my own universe of some kind of, uh, whether it's coaching products, it could be subscription of the month products. If you're in e-commerce, you know, you can drop people a, a, a box of whatever items you sell. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of box of the month clubs. Whatever yeah. it is, you know, these are ways to reach an audience that's new and growing. And then, you know, if you're lucky and, and hopefully you're picking <laughs> the winners, um, you might find suddenly you're on the platform that becomes the YouTube or the TikTok. Uh, or even if you're not, it might still be a, a secondary player, but you can be a big fish in a small pond and have a huge business too. Like I, I still think of that today with blogging. I'm not big on YouTube. I'm not big on on Instagram or TikTok or any of the new channels, but I still have my blog and I still have my email newsletter. So I still have my own ecosystem, even though blogging is like old, man, it's really old now. So, you know, um, it's not where most people will start today. So, uh, you know, you can still do really well, even with uh, any tool, as long as you get good at one of them. And I think Diamond, DSO, and not just Diamond app, that's just one app being built on decentralized social network. There's messenger apps being built. There's TikTok type apps and Instagram type apps. This is like a whole paradigm shift that's taking social media away from a few companies that own it all, opening up the back end that the content is stored on so then anyone can build an app on it. Like imagine today you could build an app that actually had access to every piece of content that Instagram has and you could just manipulate it in a different way. You can't do that because Instagram, Facebook, Meta won't let you do that. With DSO, it's an open platform, it's blockchain. So it's the content's there for you to use and manipulate. If you create value uh, in a different way, just the way you produce it, curate it, what you show, you can actually build your own kind of ecosystem as well. So there's another level yeah. of opportunity if you're an engineer or you want to put together some kind of uh, DAP, as they're called, uh, you know, the decentralized app, then you could have a business just there as well. And hopefully the audience is catching this because... What this is now is like it's a new shift, new tools, new opportunities where you can create your own mashups. So we go back, we still have the visual, we we bring this, you know, funnel together. Now, when you start to think about, well, what can I do with something like an NFT or the smart contract that can unlock, you know, certain things at certain stages of your, you know, sales funnel and mm-hmm. whether you're selling information or whether you're selling products, but you have, you know, you, you have an audience, you, you know, you have a, a base that, that, that you're working with and you're, look, you're looking to sell them. You know, now, now did you raise the value because they're not just getting the, the workshop or the boot camp anymore. They're now also getting this unlocking special access that, that that's going into there. Um, yeah. do, do you see something like that playing out? Oh, you're, you're so right. And we're, we're looking at the blog sales funnel picture there. And, and there's two layers, membership site and let's say even live event or private coaching, the two the two or three bottom layers, 
that could be NFT and uh, creator coin it just as easily or added to this where the NFT unlocks the membership site or the ticket to the live event. And, wow. and the private coaching is only for the people who own a certain amount of your creator coin. Like imagine they buy $100,000 worth of creator coin and they get access to you as a coach for, you know, as long as they hold that much coin. Yeah. The options are, are limitless for those who want to play around with these new tools. Yeah, this this is definitely diamond value that that you dropped here, and uh, thanks for sharing that. And uh, man, I feel like we could talk for hours on on this thing for sure. But I mean, it's really great to get your perspective, you know, on this, and uh, it's just amazing. But you know what? I, I want to stay close to see you know what you are developing throughout the year. Is it cool to follow up with you? You know, maybe later on in the year to see how things are going. Oh, for sure. And, and please follow me on, on Diamond App. I'm I'm you know slash yarrow underscore there you can you can find me just by searching for yarrow and and i'm an, i actually probably spend more time posting on on Deso on diamond more than i would on say facebook and, and instagram so because uh, i want to share on the latest tool and you know the 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 new paradigm of of creator content not the old ones that i don't really control or own so yeah. i announce things there first i'm sharing like like you said the, the new platform i'm working on but well and truly, you'd be happy to come back on the show and talk about that too when I have something to show. That'd be great, man. Well, that's awesome. And uh, so I want to be respectful of your time, and uh, but I also want to give you a chance to uh, leave some closing remarks with the audience. So I'll let you take it away. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, I, I know, I, an open, uh, open uh, no, my- <laughs> no, no question asked here. <laughs> you know, I, I, I suspect I know from, you know, the topic of your show and, and your, your, I can tell your, your orientation towards your audience that there's probably a lot of people listening to this who are feeling overwhelmed just by, you know, what they're trying to do, like we said earlier, with the decision fatigue on, on which software tools to use and which product or service to sell. And now we're suddenly throwing in Web3 and decentralization and you know, all these new ways of monetizing. And, and I remember feeling super overwhelmed, um, frustrated because I liked it all and none of it was working. You know, that's like all of it got me excited. But at the end of the day, there was no money flowing into the bank account. So it didn't really matter. And you wanted to be able to potentially expand into new things, but you'd needed cash flow to do that as well. Even today, I feel constrained because sure, I'd love to have a presence and a team running everything on all platforms. We just don't have the cash to spend on all of that. So I think I like to bring it back, especially to a beginner, like we said before, focus on the sale. You said it really well, Brian, the sale and the testing process to get those sales because that's real feedback. That's real entrepreneurship. Don't be manipulated by what other people are doing, what other people are saying on whatever it is, podcast or YouTube or social. Um, Definitely don't compare your own process to others because I really, really caused damage to my own process early on thinking I should be uh, as successful or my company should be at this size based on my friend was doing this or the shiny object thing. My friend's company is growing so much faster than mine because they're in this industry using this tool. And that's constant, man. If you start opening your eyes to other ways to make money, you're you're stupid because you're not doing e-commerce or you're stupid because you're not becoming a social media influencer or you're stupid because you're not blogging or on Web3 and all these tools are growing faster and there's more money to be made. Sometimes you should just close your eyes to all those other things and just head down 
um, build whatever is ready working for you and, and keep growing that. That's really what I'm doing myself. Like I have Inbox done. It is still the majority focus of my day-to-day energy. Like I still put the most time into what you'd almost call boring things. Let's let's get another piece of content out the door. Um, let's refine the copywriting. Let's let's tweak the positioning and the website presentation some more because that is compounding on all the effort we've spent in the last four or five years to build this company. And that can only happen if you do keep going back and doing you know those small steps each day to that one project, that one idea. So I'll leave it with that message. And of course, the one last pitch for my company too. If you are at the stage where you have uh, you know the funds and you'd love to break free from email and managing your calendar, uh, inboxdone.com. I uh, would love to do a discovery call with you and see how we can help you out. Awesome stuff, man. Great wisdom for sure. A lot of takeaways in this episode. Yarrow, brother, really great. Thank you, Brian. Thanks for having me and I appreciate your enthusiasm and I love your background. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, brother. <laughs> If you made it this far in the podcast, I'm here to tell you that you have the discipline to do this online business. You have the skills. And if you found this podcast and if you found that this episode was helpful, be sure to help out the show. Be sure to throw a five star review and share it with somebody who needs it. So it's really awesome. I'm glad that you're here. And I like to leave things off on a high note. And I actually got something really good for you guys. And if you don't know about the Tech Money Talks YouTube channel, go to youtube.com slash techmoneytalks and you'll find the actual live stream YouTube videos. And that's where we were screen sharing and pointing out some things on YouTube, stuff that you can't get through the audio podcast. So I'd say use that if you do find yourself on, on YouTube then be sure to subscribe on YouTube as well. 